Continuing on with our sermons by request, this particular one uh, was turned in the very first week we started that uh, series. And when I, way back then when I read it, I went, hmm. And maybe you'll see why uh, I did that when, when I read it to you. It says, I've always wanted to hear a sermon about different modern issues. Uh, luckily, he, uh, he uh, didn't end it there. He did one of those dot, dot, dot things, you know, and then added in uh, a couple uh, of helpful suggestions to narrow down the topic a bit for me. You know, he said, I want different modern issues, dot, 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 tattoos, political discord, etc. And I went, hmm. So what do you say? Should we see if uh, we can do something with that? I think so, because otherwise all this preparation would turn out to be for nothing. So <laughs> grab your Bibles and uh, let's open up to the book of Romans chapter 14. We're going to start with just one verse. Uh, and you may notice that this particular verse doesn't say anything about tattoos or political discord or etc. cetera. Uh, well, the et cetera is probably in there. Um, but... Uh, We'll start with that because it'll be a foundation for our study today. Romans chapter 14, verse 4 says this. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Father God, we are just so thankful to be able to have been in uh, your house this morning to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to enjoy the fellowship together. God, we're so thankful for your many, many blessings. And God, uh, the opportunity to, to sing, uh, to um, pray together, to now look into your word together is a great privilege. And we're thankful for that. So Lord, we pray that um, as we look into your word, your spirit would be free to work in our hearts and minds. <clears throat> we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, have you ever wondered why the issue uh, of tattoos became so divisive or contentious of a subject with, within the church? Because the reality is there's not a great deal of teaching about it in the Bible. In fact, there's really only one verse that directly mentions the issue. And then we're not even really sure if that's what it's actually talking about. Uh, uh, the, the verse is found in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. It appears right in the middle of a whole list of all these various and sundry laws that the people of Israel were supposed to uh, follow back then. And, and so Leviticus 19.28 says, You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And, and so, of course, there are some Christians who have taken that verse and said, see, the Bible forbids tattoos. It's in the book. It, 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 it's there, case closed. Uh, don't get one. Um, and, and that's been the end of the subject. However, it's, it's really not <clears throat> quite that simple for two main reasons. Number one, 
the Hebrew word translated tattoo here is an incredibly obscure word that is not used anywhere else in the entire Bible. It's only this one location here. And, and the word literally means to engrave or to carve. It was actually the word that was used when a guy had a chisel and was chiseling words into a rock. That's the word they would use to describe that. So it's not exactly clear or certain what that means when you're talking about applying it to uh, a, a body, the person's body. And that particular law, along with <coughs> all the others surrounding it, a bunch of others there, they were given to keep the people of Israel separate, distinct from the pagan nations surrounding them. God did not want them uh, picking up or practicing uh, the rituals that were connected to idolatry or, or, or these pagan worship rites. So think about it. They had, they had just escaped from Egypt when uh, this was taking place, and they'd spent 400 years in Egypt as slaves. A and there is evidence that the ancient Egyptians did practice uh, tattooing. However, it, it was only the females that got tattooed, and, uh, and even then, it was only on the parts of the body that were connected with fertility. So it was nothing that would have ever been seen in public. Um, and near as anyone can tell, this was done in order to please the goddess of fertility and, and act as kind of a good luck charm in terms of getting pregnant and for safety during childbirth. And it could be that God in, in this verse is saying, hey, stay away from that kind of pagan superstitious uh, uh, thinking and practice. But, but at the same time, not only were they coming out of Egypt, but these people were getting ready to head into the land of Canaan. And the peoples that populated the land of Canaan, they worshipped a bunch of different gods and goddesses and this type of thing. And, but one thing that they almost all had in common was this practice of gashing themselves to prove their devotion to their particular god or goddess. Or sometimes they would uh, cut their body to create permanent scars in the shape of religious symbols or other things. Again, um, as, as part of this pagan practice. If, if you're familiar uh, with the account of Elijah and the prophets of Baal on, on Mount Carmel, you've seen an example of the former, of gashing themselves for devotion, right? Uh, there were 450 prophets of Baal on Mount, Mount Carmel, and they were supposed to uh, entice their god, Baal, to call down fire from the sky to burn up the altar and offering that was put there for them. And, and uh, it was a contest against Elijah, who would pray to God to do that. And, and so they, the 450 get to start first, and they're singing and dancing and chanting uh, and, and circling around the altar, and Nothing's happening, uh, as we can well expect. And, and then it says, uh, So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves, according to their custom, with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. See, that was, that was part of their pagan worship practices. And, and, and uh, that's what they did. And, and then even along with that type of gashing for devotion or, or to create symbols through scars on their body, they would also cut themselves as, or gash themselves as a sign of deep, extreme mourning. 
when someone had died, especially someone that, that was incredibly close to you, that you deeply loved, as part of the mourning process, they would c- create cuts across their arms and legs so that their body would end up being covered with blood. And, and that was done, uh, they, they believed two things. One, it, it would show their devotion and their, their love uh, uh, for this person who had died, but it was also a sacrifice that was supposed to appease the gods of death in order to make uh, passage into the afterlife uh, go better for this person who had just died. And again, it could be that in this verse, God is saying, hey, I don't want you doing any of those pagan practices. And given the context there where it specifically mentions cutting themselves for the dead, it could be uh, that, that he is saying, I, I don't want you gashing your body to create scars on your body that would be some type of symbol uh, for your devotion to me. That's not the way it works. So whether it's tattooing or, or, or gashing, uh, either way, it was the ritual connected to this pagan idolatry that God was prohibiting. So that's, that's the first reason why there's a problem with taking this particular verse and, in, in Leviticus and using it as a prohibition against uh, tattoos. But, but the second reason there's a problem using this verse is uh, because uh, it was part of all these laws that were governing and regulating the people of Israel uh, in, their, in their life uh, and following God. And, and the question is, are Christians today supposed to follow all those same laws that God set up for ancient Israel back then? In other words, is God's rule prohibiting tattooing or gashing, whatever it would be there, is that in force and is that valid for us today? Do we have to follow all those same practices laid out in the Old Testament? And in answering that question, uh, if we were to do it thoroughly and, and well, that would take a sermon or two just on its own, uh, and that's outside the scope of what we're doing this morning. So uh, I'm just going to give you the short answer. And, and, and so you ask the question, are Christians supposed to follow the, all these laws governing uh, Israel from the Old Testament? And the shorter answer is no. So that was simple. Uh, we move right on from there. Uh, Romans uh, makes this very clear. It says, but now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit, not in oldness of the letter. Now again, obviously there's a whole lot in that verse that would need explanation and clarification for us, but the main point is simple. As Christians, we are no longer bound to under the law. We have been released to it through death. And, and what it's talking about there is, is that uh, by faith, we are identified with Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And Jesus Christ fulfilled all the law. And we're identified with fulfilling the law. He died to law and then was raised to new life. And, and, and we are identified. All those things are applied to us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So we have died to the law. We're released from the law. We're not under it anymore. So does that mean then that we can run around and and do whatever we feel like, acting and behaving in whatever manner we want? 
absolutely not, of course, right? We may not be under those Old Testament laws, but that does not mean that we are without law ourselves. According to the New Testament, we as believers are now, we're not under the Old Testament laws anymore, we are now under the law of Christ, which has also been called the law of love. If we love God and love others, we will be doing what God wants us to do. All of that to say that this law prohibiting uh, tattoos or gashing, whatever it is, does not apply to us today. If you were going to say that you could take these Old Testament laws and, and that we had to follow them, well, then you have to follow all the other laws that are surrounding them, which would mean, you know, no more bacon or pork chops, no, no lobster or shrimp. Uh, for you men out there, it would mean you cannot shave. You cannot trim the edges of your beard. You're not even supposed to uh, trim your sideburns. Uh, that was against the rules. If you're wearing any clothing that has mixed threads, if it's not 100% cotton or whatever, you're in trouble, right? They had all these laws uh, um, guiding the, the behavior of those ancient Jews. And the point is, we can't pick or choose the ones that we want, you know, no tattoos, no, no body piercing and stuff, or saying that's valid for Christians, uh, but we can ignore all the rest of them. It, it doesn't work that way. Either you keep all of the law, or you are freed from the law. It's one or the other. And as Christians, we have been freed from the law. So let's go back to my original question here. Why, then, is there division in the church over something like tattoos when it's clear that the Bible does not prohibit it for us as New Testament Christians? And the answer is pretty simple. It generally comes from personal belief that leads to personal preference. So let me give you an example of how this works. My parents were raised in a day and age when tattoos were not accepted in the culture uh, at, at large at all, right? Therefore, if people got tattoos, they were seen as rebellious or as scoundrels of some type, right? It was drunken sailors on shore leave who got tattoos or thugs, criminals, prostitutes. Those were the people who got tattoos. And therefore, if you got a tattoo, you were automatically tossed into that same category as them and you were guilty by association. So good people didn't get tattoos. That's how my parents were raised, right? And my parents passed on that thinking about tattoos to me. So as a, a, a young person, I developed a personal belief, not a biblical belief, a personal belief uh, that tattoos were something that decent people, quote-unquote, didn't get. And because of that belief then I developed a very strong personal preference against tattoos. So, several years ago, when my niece called me asking about what the Bible has to say about tattoos, I told her, the Bible does not prohibit tattoos, but I think they're stupid. <laughs> okay? Um, um, so, see, you, you get the biblical 
part in there and the personal preference part uh, it came out. She ignored me, by the way. Not just ignored me. <laughs> A lot of people who grew up in the church did that exact same thing as me, right? Developed a strong personal belief or personal preference. So here's where the divisiveness comes in. Over the decades since my parents were raised and passed on this thinking to me, right, societal attitudes towards tattoos has changed tremendously. I mean, no longer are they seen as this counter-cultural, anti-social, rele relegated only to those on the fringe of proper society type of thing, right? Nowadays, tattoos are generally accepted as a kind of permanent form of accessorizing, right? I mean, uh, they have become four fun displays that you can put on your body or maybe even commemorating uh, very uh, important special events in the life of a person or, or sometimes uh, they are even an expression of deeply held uh, values. And as a result of that, people, including Christians, are choosing to get tattoos. So if people who have a personal belief and a personal preference against tattoos try to force that pre preference on others who believe that, wait, no, there's nothing against it. It's fine and, and dandy to get a tattoo. Well, that's where the conflict begins. And, and, and it can be especially bad in the church when the church tries to make this into a spiritual issue like well you know good christians wouldn't get a tattoo instead of admitting what it really is which is just a personal preference that's where you get in trouble because the bible doesn't say christians shouldn't get tattoos so when that type of tension or or conflict occurs it's easy for both sides of that argument to claim the spiritual high ground. See, the, the non-tattooists will look down their nose in judgment at those wishy-washy, compromising, obviously worldly Christians who are getting tattoos. While the tattoo-bearing believer will scoff at those uptight, legalistic, bound-to-tradition Christians, right? And all of this brings us back to our verse that we started with in Romans chapter 14. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So think about what that verse is saying. If you are a believer, you are a servant of God. He is the master. A and one servant is not supposed to go to another servant in judgment. It is not my job or your job or anybody else's job to critique the uh, effectiveness or worthiness or performance of another servant, that's the master's job. He's the one 
who gets to critique his servants. Now, I think to fully understand this verse, we've got to put it into context. Verse 1 sets the stage for us. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Okay, so what we have is uh, two groups of people. One is identified as weak in faith, and we'll come upon them. The other one was not labeled, but, but uh, presumably you, you could call them the strong in faith since Paul is juxtaposing the two groups, the weak therefore and the strong. And they, that is each group, is supposed to accept one another with genuineness, not with, uh, uh, as a means of judging or trying to get the other uh, group to change. Now, the issue that they were dealing with uh, was not tattoos, but eating meat. Uh, back in those days, most all of the meat that you would buy from the market had previously been sacrificed uh, or devoted to some uh, pa- uh, false idol or pagan idol. And, and there were many Christians then who then thought, well, man, we shouldn't eat that meat. And, well, take a look at verses 2 and 3, how Paul describes it. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Now that last line is really, really important. Who is the him that God has accepted? And the answer is both the one who eats and the one who doesn't eat. So clearly, we are not talking about an area of sin because God does not accept sin. Just like getting a tattoo, eating this meat was was a matter of conscience. It was what you held to or believed was best, a personal preference. It is not a right or wrong issue. It is neutral or what we often call those gray areas and some christians might lean more towards one side and some lean towards the other but according to this verse both whichever direction you're leaning both according to them are okay accepted by god and god says he wants us no matter which way you lean to accept each other That's why he gives the explicit instructions he does. He says, on the one hand, the one who eats, or, you know, to bring it up to the issue we're dealing with today, the one who gets a tattoo is not to regard with contempt the one who does not. You see, the one who eats, or or, or the one who inks, understands and has a good grasp of their freedom in Christ. They realize that it is not on the basis of their performance or their outward appearance that they are acceptable in God's sight, but rather it is based wholly and completely upon what Jesus Christ has done for them. That's, that's why they're called the strong in faith. They, they've got that down. And, and since an, an issue like this is a matter of personal conscience, not an area of sin, then getting or not getting a tattoo 
does not change your status or your relationship with God one iota. Therefore, since they understand that and they know that truth, it would be easy for them to look down their nose with contempt at those poor souls who do not understand or live by or enjoy their freedom in Christ. On the other hand, the one who does not ink is not to judge the one who does. You see, it's incredibly easy for us to take our personal preferences, which are almost always based on personal beliefs that we've built up, and turn them into man-made spiritual rules. And, and this is especially easy when it's something that we've been raised with within, within the church, right? Or within the church culture. And so... In, in, through my days, you know, things like playing cards or going to movies or dancing or tattoos or, or uh, dozens and dozens of other issues, those have all been on the no-no list for certain Christians. And therefore, when other Christians break those rules and do those things, we can easily slip into judging them as lesser, not as good of Christian because they did that. And God is saying to both sides, hey, don't do that. No judging or no looking down at, with contempt at one another when it comes to these areas, these neutral areas, these matters of conscience. Instead, God says, I want you to accept one another. That's the instructions he gave. So that, that leaves us, I believe, with, with two big questions to answer in terms of how we would apply this to ourselves today. And the first one comes in the area of personal examination, right? Each of us needs to ask ourselves, am I guilty of looking down with contempt or judging others based on their choices in these areas of personal preference. To ink or not to ink is not really the question. Okay? Right? The real question is what is my attitude towards the person who thinks differently than me in this area? A and not just in, in the area of tattoos, right? In, in all these areas uh, of personal preference, a hundred different issues that have caused conflict and, and um, division amongst Christians. Again, we're not talking sin areas. We're talking these areas of, of personal preference. So is there an area where I have been exercising my legitimate freedom in Christ, but I'm looking down my nose at others who feel they're supposed to abstain? Or am I holding to a personal rule? This is the way it should be. And judging others who do not meet that standard. And maybe you really feel that's the way it should be, but it's not a biblical. We have to 
have to get honest with ourselves. It's not a biblical rule. It is a cultural or even a church cultural or maybe even just a personal rule. And both views, looking down with contempt, judging, both are wrong. And we need to examine ourselves to see if any of it is going on in our lives. If there is, then guess what? We're the one who is sinning. We need to repent and ask God to help us have a good and right attitude towards those who hold a different position than we do. And what's that good and right attitude then that God wants? Well, that brings us to the second big application question. God tells us we are to accept the one who is different than us. So the question we have to ask ourselves, well, what does it mean to accept? And see, to accept is something far more than tolerating or putting up with. Right? To, to accept means to embrace, to welcome, to bring in without hesitation or reservation. It implies the idea of building a relationship with understanding uh, both that other person and their point of view. Am I accepting others who hold different views than me? So once again, we have to examine our hearts, don't we? See, God doesn't want us to just merely eliminate the bad attitude, the wrong attitude, no more contempt, no more judging. He wants us to fully receive and live out the right attitude of accepting one another in grace and in love of God. That's what he's called us to do. And one final thing. Some of you probably thought that I was going to talk about political discord. I am, but you have to come back for that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, Sometimes our hearts are so small and it is hard for us to accept someone who thinks different than us. It's hard for us to admit that many of the things we want to live by are nothing more than personal preferences or cultural-based rules. So God, help us to be firm and to know truly what the Bible does and does not say. God, we want to be faithful in living out those areas of truth where rejecting sin and, and living by your grace. But God, in these areas of personal preference, oh God, we need a major dose of your grace so that we can live together in unity, accepting one another just as Jesus Christ accepted us to the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name.